Hi everyone, it's Mark Stenson, and we're back with a world of creativity and how to unlock that creativity to get your work out into the world. And you know, when we started this podcast, I promised that we would really go all around the world to find experts and ideas to tap your most original thinking and get some tools and exercises and formulas. And so far, we've been to Milan and Oslo and Paris and London, all over the States and even in the Caribbean in Barbados to get creative inspiration. And today, our world of creativity brings us to Amsterdam and my guest, Sandra Horlings. Sandra, it's great to be with you today. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to this conversation. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. It's always good to talk creativity with somebody who really shares the passion of innovation and creativity. So thanks for being with me. Sandra is part of a innovation collective called InnoBoost and also a global think tank on branding and marketing called Medinga Group. And Sandra, you spend most of your time and you've built this career of helping other people stimulate and boost their creativity and their innovation thinking. But for yourself, where do you find inspiration and how do you get your own spark of creativity? Yeah, I'd say good night's sleep always helps me uh, (laughs) to to be creative. Uh, But I can't help it, Mark. I'm just eager to learn. So I constantly scan and scout what's around me in the world. And then when I work on a project or for a client, sometimes it it pops up in my mind. So I collect it also in my brain. And I think I have the ability to go from really big ideas to very small and detailed consequences of these ideas, going back and forth, back and forth. So I I take inspiration from uh, lots of places. And I also push myself sometimes to go to a place where I've never been before, that is not necessarily something that I understand very well, but to, just to listen and to try to understand new concepts and uh, new ideas. And what is that pushing? Some people would say, I need to go beyond myself. I need to go outside of my comfort zone and that sort of thing. What yeah. are you pushing to find? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I just subscribe myself to a session, a learning session beyond my comfort zone. So that brought me, for instance, to CERN, which is the particles accelerator in Geneva, which is really about fundamental science uh, and, and not something that comes natural to me. But by listening to the professors and trying to tap into this idea of what they are doing there and what is that, Uh, accelerating particles to understand the Big Bang, then having a conversation with them, listening to the way that they ask questions, that they inspire themselves, is for me a constant source of also inspiration. So I go out, I subscribe, I visit events that that at least are surprising to me, Um, but they will also uh, obviously uh, help me tap into trends or new technology that may be relevant in innovating when we are working with our clients. So it's really going out and looking for something beyond my comfort zone. So it's, I don't know if it's pushing or that it's inviting myself to learn and to look in different places. To feel invited is certainly different than feeling pushed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, over the years, I've, I became more kind to myself in saying, you should and you are allowed to go out and visit nice uh, inspirational areas. 
but it can also be a museum. Uh, I find a lot of inspiration in in science and in areas that uh, are beyond uh, marketing or branding or communications, because I think there's so much going on in the world. Uh, and when we, when we can anticipate what that will look like for in 5, 10, 20, 40 years time, then you set your GPS in your brain to also look for new insights and, uh, and it comes back to you when you need it. Yeah. Yes. And do you find that some of these inspirations from, say, one category or one industry might spark an idea for another that yeah, uh, you're easy. connecting in a different way? Yes. Yes. Sorry, but that's specifically what I mean is how it's it, it, it is combining because I think innovation is um, it's it's not uh, just coming up with ideas it's combining insights or uh, experiences from uh, one category and bringing that into another one or uh, from uh, well avoiding to make the same mistakes others have made before so it's really good that you when you are stretching your brand into a new area a new category a new solution that you also look for inspiration cross sectors and in in other areas of the world maybe so i think it's for me it's also well relevant in my day-to-day work Mm -hmm. very good and what about when you run into these roadblocks, you know, uh, whether it's just creative stifle, you know, I just can't seem to get my brain working, or maybe it's literally a, a business or operational obstacle. How do you tend to handle those obstacles? You know, what, what's your personality, I guess, in facing difficulties? There's maybe two answers to that. One is the more intuitive answer. When I see an obstacle, I try to identify it, I try to grasp it, and then I come up with all scenarios on how to well get rid of it. So I'm a real I'm really a scenario thinker saying like should should we break it, should we blow it, should we walk around it, should we uh, walk in a different direction? And and thinking in scenarios on how to well get rid of this obstacle, I think that's an intuitive thing. The other thing is uh, we work a lot with what we call assumptions. So I'm really trained in making a list of assumptions that is also helping me to explicitly state the assumptions I am making in my brain. And then when you have this assumption written out, then you can uh, talk to others and say, oh, I don't see that at all as an obstacle or uh, have you tried this way? So also... um, Maybe making your assumptions very explicit and sharing that with others is also helping me uh, overcome uh, obstacles. Uh, That's very good. And I guess, you know, you work a lot in groups as well. Are you able to bring out those assumptions in the group so that everybody's got that on the table? Because that can be very difficult. If people have these sort of hidden agendas or hidden assumptions, they need to be revealed, don't they? Yes. So I tend to be very open and listen and try to ask um, the question after the question when I don't understand the answer. Uh, However, uh, obviously, there's uh, in in a multidisciplinary team, there can be hidden agendas, as you are mentioning. I think we overcome that firstly by being open and truly interested in the capabilities that someone brings to the table. And then when you when you feel that you are hitting this wall in in the group, then you have to make an intervention. And usually there's a lot of, because we we use also a lot of creative working forms, 
you can try something different to either build trust or give people the opportunity to uh, share their thoughts or uh, uh, you, you just take them one-on-one -on -one and ask them what is their contribution to this session. So there is multiple ways and, and working forms that you can use uh, when you feel that there is something under the radar. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you talk about one-on-one. -on -one. I, I always experience this meeting outside of the meeting. You know, it's like, well, let's take a break. I'm going to go over here and talk to Jim. Uh, Jim, what's on your mind? Yeah, well, the fun part is because since March, we, um, yes. because you, you usually do those kind of, you do these conversations over coffee break. And uh, since March, we have been working with teams virtually. And the interesting part is that you can apply the same principles also in a virtual setting. So we have breakout rooms, we have uh, chats, we have uh, WhatsApp messages. So when hosting and facilitating this group event, so working with groups, you always have to, yeah, you have your, your tentacles, you know, uh, 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 in the whole area. So you have to tap into the energy also outside of the groups, uh, just to be able to coach them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And yeah. quite logistically, I'm interested in how you do that. Are you having a co-facilitator, you know, also keep an eye on things? Are you having somebody moderate or just operationally run the Zoom meeting? How, how is that working for you? Because it can be tough if you're the solo facilitator. Well, we, I don't do it solo. But then when I'm in front of a group, I usually also have a co-facilitator because it's very difficult to share the content and then facilitate and, and encourage as well as tap into the energy uh, and then prepare the next session. So we work in, in teams. So for a virtual session, we have uh, two facilitators at least. And we also have someone doing tech support. So we make sure that before we go into a group session, we have uh, what we call a tech onboarding so that people know how to use the software, how to use the tools. So we do a lot on Teams or Zoom. Uh, we work with uh, online whiteboards. And then it's very nice when people just sort of know their way around. So we help them also to apply this uh, new digital uh, way of working before we go into the group session. Yeah. So it's three people at least, uh, Mark. That's, it's good to have that kind of team. So thanks for sharing that. Very logistics, because I mean, this is what people are faced with now. It's like, hey, well, I used to go into the room with a set of markers and a whiteboard, and uh, we would have a lot of fun. Now it's a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Well, it was challenging for us as well. Uh, so I, 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 we, we did see this lockdown coming in the Netherlands and also internationally. And then, well, of course, we were also anxious what's going to happen with our business because we, uh, we do business coaching and we do uh, training. And both are with groups and usually in a live setup. But then we thought, what do we need to do to make it virtual? So we also had to reinvent uh, our own uh, services again and to make sure that we break it down into smaller pieces, that we bring fun to the table. So how do you do that? Bring, bringing fun into a virtual session. And well, the, this is a podcast, so people can't see this, but I have a sock next to me. I always have a sock because we play soccer online. Mm. And the sock, we use that either to check 
if people have uh, learned some new uh, topics, some new words, some new themes. But we can also use it to uh, ask people to throw it at a colleague that they don't know their capability or quality well enough from. So they challenge each other to share something personal and to, well, open up also in a virtual setting. And this is what I also like about this uh, working virtually because we have the sneak peeks into the homes of people. Exactly. Yeah, and and we see all the conditions that people are working under. And and sometimes they bring, uh, we ask them, what is valuable for you in in this area, in this time, in this place where you are currently working? And they they share a book that's uh, valuable to them. Or they, share, they have uh, some instruments and they play a bit uh, of music. So it's also interesting to see that, that people can bring in their, well, something of their personality into these sessions to help them open up and to also build uh, a great experience with the group together. So I, like I also it. find it intriguing this time. I like it a lot. And I like the idea of throwing a sock at the screen. I've often wanted to do that, maybe not in a positive way, but uh, it gives me something softer to throw at my screen. I'll have to use that. (laughs) Sometimes someone really throws very hard and then you think, ow, ouch. And uh, uh, that's uh, really interesting to see. (laughs) I love that so much. Well, let's get into uh, another part of your work, and that is with the Medinge group. You know, when you think of a global think tank, obviously you think of, uh, here's some people thinking, but there, there's really an action part of the group too, isn't there, in terms of what the learning and the output is. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I do work for Medinga. I would say Medinga for me is, is, is a source of inspiration. It's a, a collective, it's a group of people uh, from around the globe that share experiences, insights, and also debate. We used to see each other twice a year and then uh, share some of our uh, experiences or some ideas. And it all relates to this idea of brands having a conscience. So brands uh, being accountable for their actions beyond what they do to their customers or their uh, shareholders. So for me, listening to my uh, other Medinga members helps me also to tap into other ways of thinking, other arguments, uh, new areas that I have not been exploring myself yet. And when we are together and we try to build upon this idea of brand with the conscience, we try to uh, explore it from different areas and then collectively share the outcome. So what will that mean for businesses going forward? And well, one of the the actionable things that came out of that is, uh, is a book called Brands with the Conscience. Uh, but I, recently we had a very interesting uh, virtual exploration on how to design for planet first. So when you are a brand with a conscience, can you be a force for good? Can you uh, contribute to making a positive impact on the environment? And, and what would that mean for designing your business, designing your services, designing the way that you interact with your stakeholders? And, and since in Medinga, well, there's people from different backgrounds. It's really interesting to, to listen to how they would approach such a question, what they bring to the table. We had two guest speakers, uh, one from New Zealand and one from India, on how do indigenous people live in coexistence with nature and, and how do they design their community and what can we learn from them? Well, that was really mind-opening for me again uh, uh, to do that. So that's the, maybe the, act, the activity part in Medinga, is to collect 
data, listen to experiences, and then combine it into a strategy or some principles or some cases to learn from. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I do want to get into the book in a moment, but I guess I want to pursue that planet first question. But what's an example of brand? You know, obviously, we can think of a lot of social ideas to make planet first. But how, how do companies, how do brands adopt that kind of thinking? And what might be an example of how to think planet first, if you're a brand manager? Yeah, so a very, well, I don't know if it's obvious for a lot of brands still. But for me, it is because we do a lot of work in circular business. So it is uh, understanding where you are sourcing from, but also what happens end of life after you uh, put your product in the market. So one of the principles could be to challenge yourself on on the question, what happens uh, with your product after you have put it to the market? And then when you uh, look at the raw materials that are in there or the, uh, the reverse logistics that you have to think about, you can come up with new ideas for services or solutions so that's a triggering uh, thought. And I think one of the companies that I know is exploring that is, uh, for instance, Philips. Uh, they are transforming into a health tech company and really doing a good job going into this new direction. Yes. Uh, but they are also exploring how can we make things uh, energy, extremely energy efficient. How can we use less components? Uh, how can we use eco-friendly components? How can we create, instead of products, bring uh, services into the market and where we, well, we, we are the owner of, uh, of the materials and then can we bring them back? What would it mean if we take back the stuff that we bring to the market? And they are really seriously exploring, experimenting and also launching some of the ideas already. So I think for me, that would, that's a great example uh, I think some of my Medinga colleagues also shared that Patagonia is saying, so Patagonia, the outdoor uh, apparel brand, saying, okay, what if we, instead of becoming a uh, fashion or clothes production company, we move into this area of becoming a repair company? What would that mean? And well, we, we know a lot of fashion brands are looking into that direction. There are some sneaker brands that do that. Uh, I think the whole category on plant-based, well, I couldn't say plant-based meat, can I? Yes, but I totally get it. <laughs> that is how we say it. It's plant-based yeah. meat, but... <laughs> it's, it's no meat. But there's a lot of brands that uh, either are new brands or that are transforming themselves onto these trends and onto these new necessities to well, build a more sustainable, good life for us over the coming years. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Now, let's turn to the book, if I could. Just the idea of editing a book like this with contributions from many people. Talk a little bit about the creative process in pulling together a book like this. Yeah, so I don't know if it was such a creative process or, mere, or merely a briefing process. However, uh, as part of Medinga, we sometimes feel the urge to uh, take up an activity. And I was heading uh, this workshop on can we come up with a doable initiative? So first thing we did is identifying what would make it doable for everyone to contribute to this uh, book. Because doable for me could be writing a case, uh, interviewing a brand, uh, spending a lot of time on working out the flow and the structure of the case. 
but doable for some of my other Medinga colleagues was writing kind of like a column and then only giving their vision on, on a topic that they saw. So first thing is breaking down, what does that mean, a doable initiative? And then we explored uh, different concepts and then, uh, well, for several reasons, the book came out the best option at that moment in time. Mark, it was already five years ago, so uh, we were not as matured uh, in uh, virtual uh, and video as we yes, are nowadays. Of course. And then, uh, well, one of the advantage was uh, having a publisher. So that's someone helping you to organize and to also set deadlines and to ensure that all the uh, follow-up steps are in place so that you think of a concept as well as the execution. And then it was more or less about steering in the direction of cases for Brands with a Conscience because we wanted to learn from the awards we had been giving out years before. And then uh, there was this, this big financial and also societal crisis in 2008. How did these brands come out of that? And, and when we had that idea, it was actually, well, collecting, keeping people on track, keeping them uh, enthusiastic about contributing to this book a bit, uh, uh, slowing down the deadline a bit so they can also make sure that we had uh, the case in time and that it really became a team effort. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's interesting you contrast, you know, the creative process with the sort of organizing, editing, collecting process. I mean, it is funny, we creative people tend to think about the idea and, and we'll figure out the execution later. <laughs> And so it, it really does require some shepherding, doesn't it, to bring all this Yeah, to well, I've been in advertising most of my, uh, well, early years. I, I can't say most of my time anymore. And, <laughs> and I always used to be in, uh, in strategy and, and the account uh, roles. And it took me a while to also understand that my part in, and my role was also adding to the creativity uh, uh, and not only the domain of our creative teams. But I think planning strategy, but also setting directions or collecting examples that people can build upon and that they feel inspired by is part of sparking creativity or bringing creativity to the, to the table. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you know, some people listening to this podcast will be in that position where they have the idea, they have all the bits and pieces, but they, they feel stuck. And I guess procrastination is a natural gravitational pull. Well, I'll just put it over to the side and I'll get back to it later. Uh, what, what would be your advice to people who are in a situation like that? Yeah, I would always reach out to someone else. And, and especially, so when you are not in fundamental arts, like in fundamental science, so you, you need your creativity to deliver something. I think it's best to collect a team of people around you that can that have other capabilities that have other skills and that can help you bring an idea to well in this case to market if it's about uh, business and brands because i don't believe you can come up with an it's it's not such a challenge to come up with a good idea but it is a challenge to come up with an idea that would fit the brand that would create new value for the business that would be that you can execute and that, that you also can oversee the consequences on the, on the business model part. And uh, we are exploring a lot into this building a circular value proposition. And one of the most difficult things we encounter there is that people don't understand the impact it has on the way that they are currently doing business. So you have to think through all the elements 
of this big idea and then thinking about the channels, the way that you make a revenue, the cost structure, the logistics, but also, for instance, how do you value the assets for your company? So that goes beyond uh, even your P&L uh, in, in that matter. And I was really uh, young when I, I was working in this advertising agency uh, and I was uh, responsible for media planning. And I came up with this great experiment to not only spend everything on television commercials, but take a bit of that budget and do this uh, experiment. So build this moving billboard into, make it into a shop that people could, uh, that could go to homebound customers. And the interesting part is, although everyone thought it was a wonderful idea, really creating a new opportunity and a new market, it never flew because the agency, well, the, it, it didn't fit the whole revenue model of the agency and the client couldn't oversee all the organizational costs. So everyone was saying, great idea, Sandra, but not really something that we can do. And that is, I think, the, the challenging part of creativity. It is, it sometimes is very hard work. It's a steps approach. It's going back and forth, uh, exploring the different layers and consequences of an idea before you can really make it happen. Yes. So my long, long answer for my uh, short tip, build a great team around you. Yes. And I love if we fast forwarded that idea, I think today somebody would say, we're going to do the mobile shop, we're putting everything into that, and maybe we'll do a little bit of television. <laughs> it might be just the opposite. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Who would have thought that jigsaw puzzles became uh, yes, fashionable again? The biggest thing, that's right. Well, my guest has been Sandra Horling. She's just a terrific brand strategist, a creativity facilitator. Sandra, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? Uh, what do you see around the corner for your work? For my work? Well, I hope uh, I can really build sustainable portfolios. So helping uh, some of our clients that are currently not yet fully putting Planet First, uh, help them come up with value props that are really creating what we call profit to be proud of. So financial as well as societal and environmental value. And that's what I work on day after day uh, in small projects and large projects, creating profit to be proud of. Well, that's very important work. Where could people go to connect with you and your work, even the book? Where can we find some of these resources? For work, they can go to uh, innerboost.nl. So that's the URL, uh, that's a collective that we work in to enact change. And the Medinga group for the book, the book is called Brands with a Conscience. I think it's uh, available via Amazon. And otherwise, you can go to medinga.org uh, to find more about our work and also the members. Well, terrific. Well, thanks for all the encouragement and the ideas and even how to get the work out into the world, which is our focus. It's like we all seem to have a book or an idea or a media idea or a brand idea, but we need to just figure out how to push it through. And you've given us a lot of good insight from your experience. One step at a time, uh, Mark, and uh, that's making progress already. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you about creativity, and you also sparked my thinking. Thank you for doing it. Well, great. Well, I can't wait to work together again sometime. So my guest has been Sandra Horlings from InnoBoost.nl and also a member of the Medinga Group. So I look forward to joining you again next time. We'll get more of the latest insights and the best advice to keep your fires burning and to help get your creative work out into the world. You've been listening to Unlocking Your World of Creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you again next time. Unlocking Your World of Creativity.
विद मार्क्स टेंसन कॉपीराइट 2021 वी क्रिएटेड अ स्पेशल ऑफर जस्ट फॉर लिसनर्स ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट यू कैन गेट आवर बुक अ वर्ल्ड ऑफ क्रिएटिविटी पेपरबैक इज एट अ स्पेशल प्राइस ऑफ 5.98 एंड द किंडल वर्जन इज ओनली 99 सेंट गो टू माय वेबसाइट mark-stenson.com the book is featured on the home page you can click it and go to amazon mark-stenson.com and enjoy the book